What up, what up, what up, everybody? And welcome to Today's the Day. This, man, this episode guest, like, I, I couldn't be more excited. Most of you guys probably already know why at this point. You've been mentioned in, in literally every episode that we've released as a huge influence in people's lives. So first and foremost, before I dive into bio or anything, just thank you so much, Seaball, for being here. Like, I, I love you. You are literally, and we'll dive into why and how, but by far one of, if not the most influential people in my life, best friends, like, dude, I, I, I would, I would die for you a hundred percent. So I love you and thank you for being here first and foremost. Like, oh, I'm, I'm excited to be here and I'm proud of you. Like the, there's nothing that gets me more excited than to see like you thriving and succeeding. And so, I mean, this is just another chapter in the book, but you're kind of doing it on all fronts. So I'm, yeah, one excited to be here and two, just proud of everything you're doing. You know, I'm cheering for you from the sidelines. Thank you. I've always felt that. I've always felt that. And we're going to dive into that. I've got a few stories that I think, I think will go a long way. But before we get into that, any of that, anyone who doesn't know Casey, so if you don't know who Seabaugh is, most of you guys probably will know, or if you don't know, you're about to. I've known you for a very long time, and I've always been incredibly impressed with you, so I don't want this to come across the wrong way. In reading your bio and writing this out, I was like, holy shit. I was like, I, don't, I didn't, I, I guess maybe because I'm around you every day, it's, it's just so, or I'm just surrounded by your presence in some way or another. It's, it, it comes across as like, oh yeah, Seabod just did another deal for this much. Like, oh yeah, no big deal. And then I go back and read, and I'm like, holy crap. So just to give everyone kind of a quick, very, very quick bio, this doesn't even scrape the surface of what you've really gone and done, but you, you spent 13 years at Vivint where you helped go and you were one of the key leaders helping grow the revenue from 30 million to a billion plus, also transitioning the company public, right? Yep. Along that timeline, you also assisted in transitioning Vivint Solar Public. Since then, you've gone through, you're the co-founder and managing partner at Sandlot Partners, which is a big majority of your time right now. What that is, it's a private investment firm that's gone and deployed over $350 million of capital, which is, again, one of those things we're reading that I was like, holy crap. Um, you're a general partner and co-founder of Vineyard Manufactured Housing Investment Group, which a couple of really cool things. Kind of the cooler one that stood out to me, that group alone has gone and helped provide housing for over 100,000 families from what I was reading, which is unreal. I was lucky enough to be, be a part of that super early a few years back. And you guys have deployed over $2.2 billion across 260 different manufactured home communities which is crazy as well. You're the co-founder and co-owner of Greenlight Restaurant Group, which invests and builds restaurants like Cutbop, Pizzeria 712, Communal, Black Sheep Cafe, Station 22, Five Star Barbecue, and more. And then kind of the coolest thing on here, Lifelong Learner, which we're going to talk a lot about. You, since I've known you, and I think I actually remember the year that you started, you made it a goal to read a book a week and started like posting it and being really, really active with it and voicing it to people. Reading a book a week, which you still continue to do. You've completed 20 plus trips, which is crazy because I didn't realize it was that many to go attend Harvard Business School programs. And then you're also, which I sneak into occasionally, one of the entrepreneurship teachers at Brigham Young University. So just voluntarily going and teaching out there, which is so sick. And I've gone, I, I sneak into that every single year, actually, which I love. And that's, I mean, dude, the list goes on and on and on. And there's, there's plenty of other things I want to go and dive into. But if you don't know Casey, now you kind of do. And then a little bit more to kind of, kind of preface going into the conversations we're going to dive into, kind of our history. So everyone kind of understands the background of that. Casey... The reason I say you are one of the most influential, if not the most influential, you found me at a really, really kind of key time in my life when I was really happy. I've lived a really good life. I've been super lucky growing up. 
as far as I've always had really good family support and everything like that. But I was dead broke. I was, I think I was 15 years old or 16 years old in high school. I think I was just 16. You walked into my friend's house. I'd never met you. I was chilling with my friend's parents at Alex Dunn's house and you came in and immediately, I think within 10 minutes of knowing me, you offered me a job, which I still don't know why, or maybe you just had lost whoever had done it. You offered me a job cleaning your cars, stocking your fridge. So that, that was really cool. Awesome. Right. I was making a little bit of money, but the really, really, really impactful part about three months into doing that, you invited me to go through and read a book. And I was like, this is kind of weird. And I had heard about my buddy doing it because you'd offered it to high school football teams. You'd offered it to different church groups. And my buddy had read a couple of books for you. But the weird part was you would pay me a hundred dollars for every book report that I brought you back. Right. And to kind of give you a glimpse into my headspace, which obviously, you know, I was stoked making 10 bucks an hour stock in your fridge and driving your car to the car wash every, every, every week. Like I was fired up with that. That was enough for me. And my outlook on life was literally to the next week. Like if I was making 50 bucks that week, I was stoked to go and make another 50 bucks from you the next week. And then these books, that hundred dollars, I was like, I can read a book a week and come to find out I was nowhere near as good of a reader as I thought. It took me a lot longer, but I ended up really taking advantage of that. And to be honest, when I started doing that, I did it for the hundred dollars every time. First five or six books, I literally did it to go and get a hundred dollar bill from you. And I was scared shitless presenting a book report to you because you knew these books inside out. You'd ask me all these questions. I felt like I needed to go way more prepared than a business presentation for a class. But the really, really cool part about that and kind of the point of me explaining this is that is the only time and the most pivotal breakthrough in my life where I started looking at life through a super, super, super different lens. I started looking very long-term. I started looking at money differently. I started looking at success differently. I started believing in myself more. And you were having me read books like As a Man Thinketh, The Richest Man in Babylon, Think and Grow Rich, a lot of these books, which we'll go and dive into. So more than anything, to give everyone a little bit of background on me and you, that is where my, my life with meaning started, I think. That's so cool. Right, which yeah. is... It's, it's crazy to go and think back. I mean, rolling into that, my first question is just like, why? You walked in. I looked pretty similar to how I look now. I looked a lot more like a girl, high-pitched voice, little 16-year-old kid, total punk. Like, I, I, all I could think about was, am I going to go to school tomorrow or not? And most of the time, I didn't, right? And you're like, oh, yeah, I'll give you a job. You can drive my $200,000 Porsche up to the car wash every day. You just got your driver's license. Don't wreck it. Right. And then my Raptor and then my wife's G-Wagon go for it. Like, and you can stock my fridge and then I'll pay you. Plus I'm going to pay you a hundred bucks and give you my time every Sunday to come and do a book report with me. Like why? Um, so my dad, when I was, when I was young, um, he did the same thing for me when I was 15, 16 years old and he paid me a hundred bucks per book back then, which I've changed my amount. Now I'm changing, I'm paying like 300 bucks, you know, inflation. That's is, sick. He's kind of messing with the amount. And so <laughs> but my dad was paying me a hundred bucks like 25 years ago, which that was a lot of money. And so the same thing for me, I was like, uh, and I've, I've always kind of been coin operated. So I'm like hundred bucks, like all day long, that's easy money. Yeah. And he started me out with the easy ones. He started me out with as a man thinketh and, you know, richest man in Babylon and, and they started progressively getting kind of more substance. But I remember it, it was the, it was the same thing. It was the foundation for me of when my life view started changing on the world. And it's just always been so impactful for me. And I've just kind of never lost that love of learning. And and I, I, I look at, you know, the life that I live today and it's a direct 
outcome of thoughts that I had somewhere over the last 25 years. And the only reason that I had those thoughts is because I introduced them through, you know, thought leaders and these books. And, you know, back then you didn't have audible and you didn't have, you know, podcasts like you do and you didn't have, you know, it was books like that. That was what you got. And so like all of the mediums of education that we have today just didn't exist back then, even 25 years ago. And, and so it's kind of been something that, you know, it changed my life. And so it's kind of been something that I've done. I, I had guys at my house last night, the next generation of 16 year old kids going to Orem high school that showed up at my house and, you know, got the same books that you read. And it's been interesting because I've, I've, I've done it a, a lot of times, a thousand plus times, a thousand different people. Very few read them. It's the craziest thing. It's like, why do you think that is? Um, what do you, like what, what, why do you think a 16 year old presented with that where it's like, I don't to, know. Like I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, other than very few fulfill, but the ones who do, it changes their life. There's been a handful of people like you that never stop doing it. And you just see their like trajectory in life just never stop. You know, they go from like place to place, you know, level one to level four to level seven to level like, and they just like yeah. grow. But I, I think that's, you know, reflective in a lot of things, you know, you take sales and there's that Pareto principle where 80% of the results come from 20% of the people. And then 96% of the results come from 4% of the people. And it's just, that's just how life works. Uh, yeah. a, a small number of people make most of the money. And a small number of people produce most of the goods and the results. And same thing. It's a small number of people actually are willing to go do the work to continue to grow. Like one of the most important, I guess, philosophies you ever taught taught me was that's the top 20% make 80% of the money. So every room I go into, and this was back when I was broke and I was doing terrible and I was like, I was not making money at all. I would walk into a room and be like, holy crap, those are the two that make all the money. Like yep. I want to be in their shoes. What, what do they all have in common? They're that top 20% or the top 4% more specifically, top 1%. Like, what do they all do? It's it's a couple things. Like, the first one is just it's a choice. It, you, you can't win if you don't keep score. So most people don't even know they're playing in the game. Like, they're just kind of living. They're, they're like in a simulation. They're just kind of going through life without, like, stepping back and realizing, like, I am the creator of my life. Yeah. And so, like, the, the very first step, you know, step number one is to like identify that I'm the author of this story. Yeah. And then you write the story and then you go execute your plan. I mean, it's seven habits. Those are the first three habits. It's be proactive, begin with the end in mind, put first things first. And that, and that's most people never do that. And so the only way that you can kind of be a top percentile performer is one, identify where you're going Two, put a plan and then three, go work the plan. And most people don't. And just, the default result by by not choosing where you want to go, by definition, you're going somewhere else. You're just going to get yeah. what life gives you, and it's not going to be in your benefit. You're like just the, living by default. No, and it's not going to serve you well. I guess touching on it, because a lot of people listening, it's like, okay, books. And I think it's becoming more popular. And correct me if I'm wrong. I really do think younger generations is becoming more popular to go and consume good things. I mean, I hope so. Which like, I, it, it, like it, it, if young people consume good things, you're going to have a really productive society yep. in the future. If they don't, you won't like it. So it's like, I, I hope that it's like, 
in vogue and like people are fired up and they're doing it because it like, that's what changes the world is people. And the only way that they're going to change the world is if they have the tools and have the skills and have the right philosophy on life and value creation and service and meaning. And, and if you don't, you're just, you're not going to do anything significant. So I think, I think in hearing that a lot of people hear that and it's kind of overwhelming. It's like, okay, like, where do you start? And, and I think a lot of people have the idea of like, oh, it's a really good idea to go and be productive and listen to these things or read things, these things. What, in your opinion, first three, like three books, start with these, that'll get you going the right direction. Then the rest will fall into place. Cause that's what I found is once you get going in the right direction, stuff just kind of compiles. Like it starts happening for you in a really weird way. But what would the, be the, those the first, first three? The first book, 100% would be As a Man Thinketh because you can read it in 45 minutes and it's completely. I don't know of a book more profound than that book. I, I, I went back and, you know, we we adopted a couple of these little kids over the last three years. And yeah. we're always in this situation of how do you give to the birth mom without creating entitlement and enabling, you know. Like crippling her. Dependence. Yeah. yeah. And so something we came up with is, well, let's let's do the book club, except let's pay a thousand bucks a book. <laughs> You know, like, let's actually like give some homework, put the incentive big enough that it's like they can get it anytime they want to get it. They just have to go do some work. Yeah. And one of the birth moms, uh, her name's Brianna, um, Texas mom. She reads this book and she's given us the book report. And I'm just like, it's like my ears are on fire. I'm like, that's incredible. And I'm like, I've read this book a hundred times. Yeah. And it's like, I'm hearing it for the first time. And so, you know, that, that for sure is like, if you read that book and implement, it'll change your life. It's, it's just about men are eager to change their circumstance, but they're unwilling to change themselves. Yeah. So they remain bound. And that's kind of like, that's life. It's, we want the outcome without changing personally. So we don't get the outcome and, you know, on and on and on just gems like that. Um, the second one that, you know, if you want to be wealthy, if you, you, if you care about being financially independent, which I have so many views on that, but I, I just think, you know, money is a magnifier to make you more of what you are. And if yep. you have a lot of money, you're going to be more of what you are. If, if you, you know, want sex, drugs and rock and roll, you're going to have more of those three things. But if you want to go make a dent on the world, you'll actually have a much bigger platform to go do good in the world. And so money's not good or bad. It just allows you to be more of what you are. But there's laws with money. And if you understand, apply the laws, you'll be wealthy. And if you don't, you won't. Um, and most people aren't because the tax system is built to not make you wealthy. It's built to actually like redistribute cash yeah. back to everybody else. And so the second one is just the mindset of wealth. And so I do Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. It's, you know, 70 or 80 year old book, you know, super profound. Um, and then the last one, if I was saying, Hey, you've got one book, it'd be seven habits of highly effective people by Stephen Covey Just um, live life based off that. Yeah. It's like the Bible of like effectiveness. It, it, you know, you, you basically have three categories of maturity. You've got dependence, which is, you know, you need your parents to cover your bills to get through the day, or you need the government to cover your bills to get through life. And, you know, as long as you're dependent, you you don't control your own destiny if you're 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 dependent yeah. on the you know the whims and the charity of others. Mm -hmm. And then there comes a time in our lives, hopefully, where we become economically self reliant. 
And the, there's this guy named Nitin Nori, who was the dean of the Harvard Business School. And he he was talking about capitalism. He was doing a he was doing a podcast with Goldman Sachs. He's talking about capitalism and he's like, people will say what they want to say about capitalism. But over the last 30 years, there's been over a billion people that have gone from poverty to middle class over a billion. And it's because of capitalism. And, and he said, he said the truest form of dignity that you can give to another human being is to teach them to be economically self-reliant. And so once somebody can pay their own bills and they've got a skill that they can, you know, get by in the world without their mom, without their dad, without the government, without charity. There's a level of pride and a level of confidence. And you see this all the time in your job. This was the spiritual side of doing door-to-door sales was seeing somebody like you that when we first met, you're dependent on your parents and on just kind of you're, – you're still a kid. Yeah. And then you – something switches where all of a sudden you get a skill and you never go back. And it's like, you took the blue pill and you just never see the world the same. And this pride that you have that I don't need to ask from anybody else that I'm independent. Yeah. And, but it's a sense of control. You can make excuses and people might buy them might, but at the end of the day, everything that's happening to you is happening because of you. It's a sense of pride. Like you can look yourself in the mirror and be proud. You can, you know, square up your shoulders and and it it's dignity. And and that's what, you know, Nit Nori said. He said the truest form of dignity that you can give to another person is to teach them to be economically self-reliant. But then there's a third um, level of uh, maturity, which is interdependence. Which means not only do you have enough to take care of yourself, that you can take care of others and you can give back to the community and you can give back to society. And when two people are independent, meaning they can get by on their own, but they choose to spend time together and to be together, whether that's marriage, whether that's a business partnership, that's where you get the magic. That's where you get the synergy. And that's what that whole book is about is, you know, going from dependence to independence to interdependence. to interdependence. And, you know, when when stuff breaks down, it's when you have somebody that's dependent, whether emotionally dependent or financially dependent, that is with somebody that's – when you have two people that are dependent and try to be together, it's just chaos. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. You, and you play off each other's insecurities and, it's toxic. and weak, weaknesses and it's toxic. But when you have two people that are independent that choose to be interdependent that's where the magic happens but you have to like be independent before you can choose to be interdependent a hundred percent anyway so that's that third book and that's seven habits yep i love that i I love that i'm super lucky to have you on here but more importantly the point of this podcast is to go and like literally you specifically are what inspired me to ever want to do something like this a lot of people followed you that i sat down with that were super inspiring and and really really helped me and shaped my life to what it is now yeah but like very specifically you so so i've been thinking like okay what what do i want to go and like give people out of this because i've been lucky enough to have 150 of these sit downs with you by a fire with a cold drink out of the fridge that that I stocked and and I want other people to go and get the most like like where did Casey provide the most value for me and how can how can I go and hopefully just put that onto a platform where other people can get it as well and I realized the first thing that you do 
for anyone you come in contact with. And I was looking back on the other podcast where people had talked about how you influence them is you inspire them. And that's why the bio is so important. It's like you go and you inspire people, which is really cool. And then the second thing that you do is you, you really put creating your dream life into a very simple step-by-step. Like it's really not difficult. It's hard because it takes a lot of discipline, right? But it's, it's not difficult. There's nothing difficult to what you've gone and done and you weren't handed anything, but you've done a few things religiously. Yeah. So what I want to get out of it, I want everyone to go and be inspired obviously and relate to you and all of that. But just as important, that's why I ask for those three books is like, I want, I want them to like have action steps that I was lucky yeah, enough to yeah. have. Yep. The next thing, when I think back, like, okay, what changed my life like through and through like, and continues to today that I know you still do. And this was, this part to me was crazy because as I was prepping, I was thinking, I went back, I was ripping into my old journals, like boxes that are in my garage that I haven't opened in, in years actually. Yep. Um, and I go back and I was reading my top 10 from 2019, 2018, 2017, 2020. And I'm like, holy crap. And it's something I've done. Consi- that's one thing I've done consistently yep. that you, when I started reading, like once I started to look at life with that bigger picture and like I, I can actually do something worthwhile while I'm here. You had me start doing what's called top 10. I want you to dive into it. I obviously can touch on it a little bit, but like you had me do what what's called top 10. What is that? So top 10, I actually don't do it anymore, which is crazy. But for a lot of years, the, the point was you might need to start doing it again. I do. I, I think you could I, be going bigger. Like if, if, if I were to tell you what I'm doing now, you'd think I'm like crazy town because <laughs> I, I like, so top 10, the principle behind it is you are the author of your future. The things have two creations. You have a spiritual creation, then you have a physical creation. And so the spiritual creation is dreaming up the dream. And then the physical creation is going and doing the work to make that dream reality. It, it makes so much sense. Like when you think about architecture, like think about just like grabbing a ton of materials and just going out and trying to build like a skyscraper in New York. And it's like, that just seems so asinine. You would never do that. You would, you would go, you know, work with a, with an engineer and you would work with an architect and you would build this perfect plan down to the screws yeah. before you physically went out and organized the, the metal and the workers and everybody to go build that building. And if you build the plan right, you're going to get a beautiful building. And it's the same thing with our life. The If you can go build, like so much of success in life is actually identifying what you want and having an opinion. And, you know, with life, it's an art and it's a science. You know, the science is like, these are the fundamentals. These are the habits. These are the rituals that you have to do. A equals B, you know, A plus B equals C every single time. It's like the law of gravity, you know, and the, there's some of the stuff that's just a science. Yeah. But the art side is that all of us are different and all of us are lit up by different things and all of us have different passions and purposes. And that's where you, you kind of have to go identify what matters to me. And so many people never go through that process of actually saying, this matters to me. This is something I want. Either they're scared to say it. Or they just haven't spent the time. And so the top 10, it's a, it's a simple ritual that I did every day for a lot of years. And, you know, when I say I don't do it, I'll do it, you know, once a, once a week or something. But I did it every day, sometimes twice a day for a lot of years. And basically what it is is you just list the 10 biggest goals in your life from scratch. So you never reference the previous day, list them out, and then I erase them. 
Yep. And the whole point is if, if somebody wakes you up at 2 a.m., you should be able to list these things. And when you get to that point, they're, they're seared into your subconscious brain. And that's when like the world starts moving to make magic happen for you. Because just when you're not thinking, you're thinking about these things. Yeah. And so, and you know, when I hit one of those top 10, I, I would just replace it with a new top 10. And so it's this principle of like always having stuff that fires you up to get you going. So I'll, I'll tell you what I'm doing now. I'll wake up and I'll meditate. Um, I, I have a specific ritual they'll do every morning. It's Tony Robbins meditation. The priming. Yep. I'll do it every morning and then I'll do three questions and I started off with 10 answers. Now I'm at like 60 per question. Um, I'm 60, 30, 30 and I'll, I'll rotate through a, a number of questions, but the first one is who am I? And it sounds so simple. It sounds like the most simple, but it's actually the most profound. We act according to the way that we see ourselves. We, we, we will not, the way that you dress today is that somewhere along the line, you decided this is who I am. Tony, uh, Tony Robbins says the most, the most powerful force in a human being is acting in alignment with their identity. Yeah. And whether it's your religion, if I'm a conservative person or if I'm a, a liberal person, yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm smart or I'm dumb. I'm, you know, handsome or I'm not. And, and like, we have these beliefs and we have these things that we, we get when we're little kids and they screw us up really bad. We have these self-limiting beliefs that if you don't go root them out, almost like weeds in the garden, that they'll end up impeding the, the, what you do in life. And so on a daily basis, um, I will list from scratch my identity, who I am. And it started off with 10 answers and now it's 60. And it's, it's amazing how just doing this from scratch, just like you would do the top 10. You, you get to create your identity. I, I'm, I'm rewriting my software. Yeah. I'm saying when I'm not thinking, this is what I'm thinking. And it's the most flattering things that I can say about myself. I'm smart. I'm passionate. I'm a force for good. I'm a force for God. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a founder. I have an unshakable financial foundation. I'm kind. I'm committed. I'm determined. I'm resolute. I'm joyful. I'm peaceful. I'm happy. And it's just listing these things out. And then I forget them. And then the second one that I'll list on a daily basis is what gets me excited. And I'll list out 30 answers to that question. And it's amazing how just listing what gets you excited, your, your, your body releases endorphins. And like it, you think about the Christmas principle when you're a little kid and you're just thinking about Christmas and just thinking about it, gets you excited. Yeah. And I'm like, what are the 30 Christmases that I have coming up? My personal Christmases, you know? Mm-hmm. It could be, you know, a hunt that I'm going on. It could be a golf trip that I'm going on. It could be a business deal that I'm working on. It could be, you know, a romantic date with my wife. It could be whatever, you know, and it, it, again, it's completely subjective, but knowing what gets you excited matters because those are the logs that you put on the, on the fire of motivation. Like if, if you have stuff that just lights you up, you will never have a motivation problem. You'll never have a, you know, something that 
Yep. You can't get off the couch. I'll, I'll, people ask me all the time, Hey, what, like, why do you, why do you still do it? And I'm like, what are you talking about? I've got a thousand reasons why I still do it. You know, I've got yeah. all sorts of stuff that lights me up. And then the last one, I'll rotate between two questions. What are my biggest opportunities? So the Peter Drucker, he's a real famous, uh, kind of the, he's the father of modern management theory written 50 plus books, um, kind of shaped the way that we think about management and business. He's passed away now, but he has a book called the effective executive. And in that book, he says the effective executive, they, they focus their time on opportunities and not problems that they feed opportunities and they starve problems. And so for me, I want to be very deliberate on what are my biggest professional opportunities and make sure that I give my best time and my best energy to my biggest opportunities. And then what are my biggest opportunities as a husband, as a dad, as an athlete, as a scholar, as a disciple of Christ, as a community member? Yeah. And there's two to three answers that it's like, this is the thing that is my biggest. There's a lot of things I could do. Yeah. But if I do this thing, it'll give me the biggest bang for my buck. And just having that top of mind. Yeah. It's amazing how like when you're when you're getting a hundred things thrown at you, what do you say yes to and what do you say no to? And it it's you know, we're doing this podcast today and I've got a a lot of things that are on my schedule and I have a short week and I'm saying no to some things to say yes to this thing, because at some point along the way I identified relationships matter to me and adding value to people matters to me. And it's a higher opportunity or priority than whatever I was going to do. And so it allows me like in my decision-making process to say yes to the better thing more consistently. But if I haven't like gone through that mental process in my mind, then a lot of times you say yes to stuff you shouldn't say yes to, Yeah, you know, and you put off, you know, most of it's like simple stuff with my kids. It's like, if I've identified the most important thing that I can do is put my kids to bed and I have a call or I've got something that comes up during that time. And I just say, no, I just say, yeah, I've, I've, I've got an appointment, but I can do it after my appointment is I'm putting my kids to bed. Yeah. But I've decided this matters a lot to me. Yeah. But if you haven't decided, you're going to get pushed to the thing that's the most pressing. So anyway, yep. that that's kind of what it's uh, the top ten. Yeah, that has, just has evolved to over time. Yeah, it's gotten more intense for yeah. sure. I love that. And 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 just touching on that before I go back and a funny story with that. But basically, what you're saying in very very simple terms is where your focus goes, your energy flows. And if you can go and control your focus, especially beginning of the day, your morning ritual, you are focusing on who you are, like the ideal version of yourself, crafting that identity. You're focusing on your biggest opportunities, what gets you excited. You don't really have any more focus to give to all the negative stuff that happens. Because I think something that's really important to realize, the same amount, if not more negative or trying or hard things happen to you as everybody else. And I I think a lot of people, even myself at times, you go and you look at these people that are in these, these key positions or these people who are just dominating in their space or just in life, financial, whatever it may be. And you're like, oh, they something is different for them than it is for me. And I don't think that's the case. I think the case is, and from my knowledge and my experience is they do things differently. They occupy their mind differently. They're focused differently, so on and so forth, which is really, really cool. Touching on top 10 though, you know, what was crazy is I was reading back and I, and I opened up a journal. I think it was 2019 is when I opened it up from, 
And I also went back in our texts. I went back in, in, in my notes. And I remember very, very specifically when I was going to college, I had never made good money. I was 18 years old and one of my top 10, you had me send them to you, um, which I think was one of the best things you ever did because I sent my list and they, it, the craziest part about top 10, the first two weeks of doing it, it was so hard. I sat for like 15 minutes trying nope. to think of 10 goals. And that's alarming. The fact that I was an 18 year old and I couldn't just spit out 10, 10 goals that are like, yeah, these are the top 10 most important things to me. I couldn't even think of them. And over the first two weeks, they changed multiple times because you made me delete them and then rewrite them. Yep. Right. And I, and I was like, holy crap, they're changing. And then after about two weeks, it became very like it was ingrained in my brain. You could have woken me up and when, I could have. When, when it becomes the same top 10 every day, that's when, you know, like it's like a, the, a magnifying glass and you've got the sun. And like, if you put that over like a leaf, it, it'll focus that energy that's just coming down generally, but that magnifying glass focuses it into enough heat to actually burn a leaf. Yeah. And it's that same thing with, you know, if you can focus that energy on one thing, it ends up becoming extremely powerful. Yeah. And you can, that's where you move the world. That's where you actually like go create your life. But if you haven't done it, you just, you, you, you don't have the resolve and you don't have the focus and you, you don't have like the decisiveness to be able to say yes, like very deliberately, like you, you can say yes to big choices, like immediately. Cause yeah. you've already decided a long time ago. It's like, it's been in your brain every day for the last a, six this months. This is a yes for me every time. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I love that. And then looking back to something really key that you did, which is like, I think one of those, those things that's very unique to the most successful people I know. I sent you my top 10. I remember this so specifically because it was like a very scary, I guess. I sent you my top 10. I was 18 years old and and like somewhere on the list was make six figures by 25. Like that was my goal. Yep. You responded faster than I've ever seen anyone respond to anything or faster than you ever had responded to me. And you said 25 question mark, like basically calling me out like that is not a worthy goal. Like change that to 21. Right. And you, you called me out on it and it was really cool. I was like, okay, I'll change it. And I was like, at first I was terrified and then like ended up by 19, check that one off. Yep. Right. F six years earlier than what I had originally thought. So I think a really, really key thing to keep in mind is how big you can really think. Cause even yeah, yours, there, 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 there's that. I mean, I deal with that. Like that's the magic of actually documenting your goals is, you know, when you have time, you go back in your reference and you can just see personal growth. And like, I, I go back five years, three years, 10 years. And I see like the goals that I set 10 years ago. And I'm like, these are so base level. Like this feels so amateur, but back then it was everything to me. It was as yeah. big as I could dream. Like it, it was like the horizon Yeah. where now that stuff's easy. Yep. But I think that's like a, like the life lesson is that we get better. If we focus on something and work on it, that we're going to get better over time. And, and so the, you know, the, the point is to have processes and habits and rituals and systems that are aligned with your priorities. Yeah. And so the, you know, step number one is figure out where you want to go. And then step number two is go build, you know, habits and rituals that are going to get you there. Cause the, the, the romance is going to wear off. You know, you think about, you think about marriages and it's like 50% of them fail. Like what percentage of that 50% raised their hand the first day they got married and said, man, I hope we make it. <laughs> You know what I mean? Very few. Yeah. But half of them don't work. And, you know, so the, it, it's easy to like get caught up in the romance, 
what's hard is to like go keep the romance for a lifetime. That takes like consistent work over time. And the same romances, you know, with your job or with your kids or with business partners or with your church or your religion. Yeah. It's like whatever you're doing, you have to work at it for it to be meaningful and for it to be real for you. And so, you know, the habits and rituals are everything. An average plan with great habits will give you great results. Yeah. A great plan with terrible habits, you're not going to accomplish anywhere. your plan. Yep. And I think that's honestly one of the biggest downfalls, especially with people in my generation, my age, the biggest downfall is like immediate gratification. Like I've watched so many people with so much talent that just don't stick with things through the good, the bad, the ugly, I mean, and take, they don't take, have. Take the investment world. Like how many people just lost their tails in crypto and meme stocks? <laughs> and th this, Everybody. Was, th th this was this was one that I, I was just – when I knew it was like peak, 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 the top. Um, I was teaching at BYU, and there was a kid there that was going to go out and sell. And I was so pumped for him, you know, for that same principle of like, you're going to go learn a skill set that makes you economically self-reliant. Like you're going to go from dependence to independence. And, you know, that's a big life jump. Yeah. And so I see him at the end of the summer and I see him at a sports game and I'm like, hey, how'd it go? He's like, I didn't actually go out. I got this check from the government and I put it into GameStop and I made like 60K. And I'm just, I'm going to go trade full time. And I'm just like, oh no, like <laughs> life just taught you that checks show up in the mail without work. And that when you put something into an investment, you're going to 10 X in three months. And I'm oh. like, that's going to be a very hard lesson to unlearn. And you're like, never going to do the hard thing because life has taught you that there's an easier road. And that's just not true. And, you know, I, I actually don't have any idea what happened to that kid. Yeah. But my assumption is he's still chasing the easy route, the easy route, because it, it came so quick. You yeah. know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and that, that's the tragedy is like, you know, this view of instant gratification, it, it's a false narrative. And, mm -hmm. you know, the, the law of the farm is how life really works that you reap in proportion to what you sow and nothing more. Yep. And also that seasons matter and doing the right thing in the right sequence matters a lot. I mean, you just literally hit it right on the head, but like the fix all to that. And what I, I if I could like go and just get something into my little brother's head or my own head or any, anyone that's trying to go and figure things out, it's like, choose hard. Like a lot of times I meet with people or you're recruiting and you have people and they're like, Oh, this, like, all I hear is like, I want the easy, quick route. Like I want the easy, quick route. And I lose people to what I do because I, I can't go and tell them, yes, yeah, the easy, quick route. This is probably the hardest thing you can do. And yep. it could take a lot of time. Best thing you could do. And something about you, you've always done it. Like, and I guess I didn't even really think about this until right now. You literally have always chosen hard. You put yourself in some of the most uncomfortable positions that you don't need to be in. Like you don't need to take time to come be on the podcast at all because again, it goes back to what's important to you. You don't need to go be a professor at BYU and teach entrepreneurship. You don't need to do a lot of what you do, but you do go and choose hard a lot of the time. Where do you go and get that? Like, where uh, but, I, but I think those things specifically have to do with life philosophy. Like, and for me, my life philosophy is that I'm fulfilled. I'm happy when I'm growing, 
and when I'm giving. And so, like, you know, when it's Tony Robbins is like the biggest influence for me. And he talks about business being a spiritual game. Yeah. And I get my spirituality out of serving people like that. That's that's when I feel the closest to God. And yeah. so, like, for me, teaching at BYU, it's not work. It's the opposite of work. It's like why you. That's like when I'm the closest to God is when I'm serving people and when I'm connecting and when I'm adding value. And I'd say this is the exact same thing. Like when I, when I'm, when I can contribute to somebody's life, that's when I feel fulfilled. And yeah. so like, it allows me to say yes to this stuff consistently because I just know this is my passion. This is my purpose. This is why I'm here on the earth. You know, they, I went to black Panther the other day with my family. And for some reason, like, you know, I, I can't remember the, the main actor that just passed away um, from the last movie. Yeah, but he died at 43 and I'm 40 and I'm just looking at this guy who's like the peak of his career and he's gone. And I'm like, if you have like music to play, you better play it. Like you can't think I'm going to be here for 50 years or 60 years. Like there's examples all around of us, the people who go before their time. And so I, I, you know, it's experiences like that, that I'm just like, if I have something that I need to say to somebody, I, I need to say it. You know, if there's like a, a kind word that I've been meaning to say, or there's somebody I need to apologize to, or if there's a pursuit that I want to go, you know, go after, you better do it now, or you're just not going to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the title of the podcast is today's the day. And that's been, and you might not be aware of it, that's been like a catchphrase saying, I, I've just rocked with since meeting you. Where that originated, I walked into your office one day. We did a sit down, a book report in your office, and no one even knows us. Not even the, the recording team knows us. Nobody knows this. Today's the day. Like, that's something I kind of coined, and, like I love to go and say. You had this quote written on top of your whiteboard. You probably don't even remember it. It might have been a book you're reading, and it's all I have is now. That was it. Like, that, you had that in quotations, and I was staring at that while we were doing a book report for... 30 minutes and like it stuck with me in a weird way today's the day to me just means like this is all you've got every day so if you're going into your mundane everyday business day go and make the most impact you can make because you have no idea if you've got tomorrow on you literally just like put that more beautifully than i possibly could have in a really cool way if you have music to play go and play it i love that like that's no, it's like the beauty in life is that you know we we had this i had my 40th birthday party the other day and my wife does this, like, like the best surprise, you know, she, she completely like amazing event. She just was, set the it, bar it, for it, everyone's. It was, it was the, <laughs> it was the most amazing event, but there's like little things that like, I like just light me up. And one of them's handwritten notes. Yeah. And so she goes to everybody that I care about in life and has them write me a note. And so I'm just like, you know, and she gives me like a little piece of them in the morning. And I read them and I'm just crying by myself. And I'm just like, this is, you know, if I died today, it'd be a pretty good life. And then, you know, go through my day. And then I go to this uh, surprise party. It's up at Sundance and everybody's there. And it's like all these people in my life that just care about so much. And I walk through there and I'm like, you know, this is heaven. Like this has got to be what heaven's like that you show up and, it's it's everybody that you love, you know, and I'm I'm going through it and I'm just thinking about it. And I'm like, you know, 
every once in a while you have like these little glimpses in life, like these little stops where you can zoom out and you can say, you know, am I, am I on track? Am I, you know, doing kind of the work that God put me on this work to do? Am I, am I accomplishing my potential? And I think like birthdays with a zero on them are like just that, like they're, you know, just kind of these like little excuses where you're just like, you know, you, you look back and say, Hey, have I, you know, have I done what I want to go do? And that's looking forward and saying, Hey, what do I want to go do in the future? You know? And where am I off? And so anyway, it was just so fun for me to be able to like share that with the people that I cared about. But the, the point that I got from it is just, you got to be present. You, you got to live in the moment because you, you know, you don't know how many of them you have. And hopefully we have a lot of them, you know, and you, no gotta, guarantee. You got, you, there's no guarantee. And all of us have friends who passed way before their time. And, you know, you want to make sure that you, you make the impact that you want to go make. No, a hundred percent. And like that event was amazing, but it was like, no, it was no surprise. It's like, again, every guest we've had on here specifically, anyone who knows you, like they, people would kill for you, whether you know it or not, more people than you know. And I think really the root of that and probably why you could feel so overwhelmingly like loved and everything like that is because you have always approached everyone with going and giving more than you take in every situation. Oh, but I, I, I believe that. I believe you get out of life what you send out. Yep. You know what I mean? If you're sending out good, yep, good comes back to you kind of in abundance. It's that principle of casting your bread on the waters and it comes back tenfold and it's like... That's, that's been my experience. And the people that I know that are the wealthiest and the most fulfilled are also the most generous. And that's just been my experience in life. But they have been before they had it. Like that's, that's the most important part of that. Cause I hear that a lot. It's like the, it's the widow's might, you know, like it's, it's, you give all that you have and it doesn't matter what that is, but you, you don't show up in abundance, your abundance before you have abundance. You're you're abundant before you receive abundance. And exactly. That's just, just how it works. Exactly. Which I think is is so key. That I mean, touching on Tony Robbins and exactly what we're talking about. My first Tony Robbins event. I don't know if it was yours. That business mastery in 2019. Um, we went, and that was there was two things that stood out to me more than anything, other than business is a spiritual game. There are two things. The first thing he just harped on, like it's what he wrapped everything up with, is like the secret to living is giving. Like give until it hurts in every situation. And at that event, I was surrounded by people who were on a totally different playing field than me. He touched on it. doesn't matter where you're at. As long as you're giving until it hurts, you'll always get it back. And that's been like something I've carried through everything in any situation that I, any chance I get, if I can give more than I take, I always do. And that's, I watched you do it by example in a way bigger way than I was able to do it at the time. And then the other thing that he touched on, which is I'm curious about kind of pivoting a little bit. um, Otherwise you're going to make me cry he hit on the craziest concept that has blown my mind and I try and continue to emulate. And sometimes it takes like a re up going to a Tony Robbins event to realize it and, and go and embody it again. Peak state was something I never thought about, understood, had terms for, or knew how to go and like cultivate. Yep. What kind of role does that play? What do you do to go and get into peak state? What is that? Like, what is peak state? And no, then how it, do you it, go and apply it, it? it? It matters a lot. And just like, you know, for you, I've, the awareness of managing my energy and being responsible for the energy that I bring to the table when I show up and how, how do I show up? And, um, you know, I have habits and rituals every day to get in the proper emotional state to show up 
And I do that by meditating. I do that by doing the questions that I went through. Yep. I work out every morning. I cold plunge every morning. Like there's stuff that I do that, you know, creates the mental and emotional strength and the certainty that allow me to show up in my day properly. And then, you know, trying to align habits and rituals with it where it's like when I'm coming home, I try to put my phone away and just not touch it. Yeah. And identifying, Hey, what's the most important things with my kids and making sure that I'm present when I'm with my kids or I'm present when I'm with my wife. And again, it's a battle. Like all, all, all of us will screw it up every day. But it's about being self-aware that like this is a real thing and I'm responsible for it. All of us are around people that have terrible energy and they pull us down. Yep. And all of us have been around people that are just like electric and they just light us up every time we're around them. And we're attracted to the people that bring good energy to the room. And so that, that, that one to me is like it's a real thing. When I'm going through, hey, my identity, there's a lot of things when I'm listing out who I am that have to do with my state, my emotional state. Yeah. And, you know, using that Tony Robbins language of a beautiful state, not just a peak state, but a beautiful state. And what would be encompassed in a beautiful state? And it's joyfulness. It's happiness. Yeah. It's passionate. It's resolute. It's determined. It's deliberate. It's, you know, all these, it's certain, you know, yeah. And then you contrast with the opposite. Yeah. It's fearful. It's unhappy. It's depressed. It's sad. It's, you know what I mean? And yep. it's like, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm going to try to choose to be in this one most of the time. As much of the time as you can. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I, I love that. It's been like my favorite. And it was the craziest thing to learn too, because when you go to Tony Robbins and he's been, will know what I'm talking about. And anyone who hasn't, is just going to say, it sounds crazy. Was that your first event? That was my first event. It was, so, life, it was life changing. Yeah. Do you remember going first day you get there? It's freezing cold, 6am. I was 19. You were, we were the, the whole group, right? Yep. And it's 55 degrees. The lights turn off, strobe lights turn on and this EDM banger just starts going. And at first you're like, oh, he's getting us hyped. But then you realize Everyone in the room who's attended an event is on their chair. There's a 65-year-old next to me swinging his freaking bandana around. I'm still sitting. Our whole group is still sitting because it was our first time, if I remember correctly. And it's just nuts. Like, it's nutty, nutty, nutty. And then he goes into explaining the science behind, like, dude, physiology controls everything. If you can get your physical state elevated, your mental state elevated, your emotional state elevated, then you can go and observe more, learn more and produce at a much higher level. Like state's so sick. And anyone who hasn't gone and looked into it or anything, I would well, say if you dig into cells, you know, he, he says something where he says, if two people meet and there's rapport, the person with the most certainty will persuade the other person. Like if you like each other, if there's any sort of like relation and you're completely certain about something, you're going to win over the argument or the, you know, the conversation. And so a lot of it for me is all of us have fear. All of us have doubt. All of us have, you know, apprehension and it's going through and rooting that out Yeah, and getting absolutely certain about the outcome. And that's a beautiful state. When I show up specifically with my team and like people that I'm leading, they need to know that like we're going to war and we're winning the war and there's no skid marks. There is no going back. We burned our boats and this is done. This is finished. 
decision's already made. And and by that certainty, people are like, well, let's go, you know, and you persuade people that are on the fence. Yeah. But if, if you show up in a low state and there's uncertainty, then it creates doubt in the people that you're leading. And so all of us that are in leadership roles, you got to go do that personal work before you show up. If you want to be an effective leader, if you want to have influence. A thousand percent. I, I I love that. And and I guess kind of one thing we've been honestly, I could talk for three hours, but I want to be respectful of your time. I know you, you took a lot to come here, but one thing that's incredibly impressed about you and I was sitting back and like looking at kind of what you've done. I, I met you when your identity was pretty wrapped and maybe not personally, but from the outside looking in your identity was very wrapped in one thing that you had dominated at. You were the best to ever do direct to home leadership sales, anything involved. You were the top position you could ever be in. And what I've noticed with a lot of people is a lot of people have one thing they do. Like a lot of successful people have one thing they dominated in and then when that identity is stripped of them or when they move on yep. from that, they kind of like lose everything that really got them to where they were at in that yep. aspect. One thing that's really unique about you, you've carried that into every single project that you've gone and chosen to do past that. And in talking to you in the past, you talk about how there's seasons for everything. And I think a lot of people don't look at it that way. They look at a beginning of something, an end of something, and then they get lost after that. Whereas yep. you, you have a really unique perspective and, and I want you to talk about that a little bit and kind of how you've realized that and how you also go and apply that every day. Whatever you're in right now is going to come to an end at some point. Yep. Right. And at that point you need to be able to go and pivot and move on to the next season. But a lot of people don't do that. Even successful people who dominate in what they do. Like, where did you learn to realize like, okay. And how was that transition actually from, being at Vivint, you were at Vivint 13 years. Like that's no short amount of time. Yeah. And that was pretty all consuming. I remember how much time you put in, right? Like th- there wasn't really time for much yep. else. How do you go and train? Like, what was that like? Uh, uh, maybe there, maybe it's not as big a deal no, as I no, think. But. No, it, it was, it was a real thing. You, you take like professional athletes and ha- or Olympic athletes or, or I'm going to go to the Olympics and there's like documented studies about like, once that's over, there's like this dip because it's like my whole life was dedicated to this one thing. And now it's like, what, what gets me yeah. going? I've, I've got yeah. to the top of the mountain. And so some of the things that, you know, have really helped me, it wasn't hard transitioning from Vivint, um, from like, uh, it was, it was time. It, it was for sure. It was time to go. I felt like I'd done everything that I could do there and it was time to move on to the next chapter. What was hard was, I got a lot of like human value. I got a, like a lot of my identity off of people needing me. Yeah. And like the day that I left, my phone stops ringing and I would get like 80 texts a day. You know, there's always, it was just buzzing with people needing me and I got addicted to it. Yeah. And what I realized through that process was they didn't need me. They needed the role that I was in. Like the role that I was in could solve a problem for them. It could get, pay fixed. It could help them with a recruit. It could, you know, Mm -hmm. and once I was out of that role, whoever stepped into that role, that's who they were texting because that person could solve their problem. Like golf was super helpful to actually have like a new hobby or pursuit that challenged me. And then also, uh, just getting into like a lot of the identity stuff was really helpful. I realized like, I'm not a vivant vice president. That's not who I am. That, that's something that I did and I love doing it, but that's not who I am. Yeah. I'm 
you know, a dad and I'm a husband and I'm a son of God and I'm a entrepreneur and I'm a founder. And it goes back to the identity. Yeah. Like and it's going back and yeah. saying, that isn't my identity. That's something that I did. And I love doing that. Yeah. Um, but that's not who I am. Like I'm, I'm this wherever I go. And that's, that's been really helpful, but I've actually had to like add new things. So like part of like my identity stuff is I'm a professional investor. Yep. You go replace it with different yeah, roles. It's, it's, and it's putting in new professional roles that when I first set them, they made me really uncomfortable yeah. because I wasn't good at it. So I had to go rewrite my software and saying, this is who I am. And, and there's people, there's models that you look at. The, the guys who fired me up were the Kobe Bryant's and the Steve Young's and the Shaquille O'Neal's and the Magic Johnson's and like these pro athletes that had this niche career that were able to go rewrite their story and be equally as, you know, dominant in the business aspect after they played in the game. And, and I wanted, you know, wanted that. I, I didn't want my story to be that I'm a one trick pony. And at the end. Yeah. I wanted yep. to, you know, have it be that when I was in high school, I gave my all to sports. And when I was on my mission, I gave my all to my mission. And when I did door to door sales, I tried to be the best at that. Yeah. And everything that I go into, I'm going to go commit to it and I'm going to go try to be the best that I can be at it, you know? And so anyway, that's kind of the way that I think about it. And I think it's helped me transition. I've seen a lot of my friends that have transitioned out that have really struggled with the transition. I think a lot of it is that they're, they're, a lot of their identity is still tied to that position or that role. Yeah. And when that gets taken from them, they feel like, I'm lost. I don't have anything, you know, because that was, they, they got a lot of security and a lot of happiness out of that position. Yeah. That's so unique. You can see it every day in people as they transition or whatever it may be from any, any position they're currently into a different one. It's, it's like a, yeah, a lot of people have identity crisis probably because they wrap their identity in it, which yep. that makes perfect sense. That's really, really cool. I could talk for hours and hours and hours, and I definitely 1,000% want to do more episodes with you where we go and break down more in depth. But I, I think the most important thing, again, like I said, coming into it, which you've crushed out of the park, like as far as being inspired, there's no more inspiring human being that I could sit down with for people to go and be like, holy crap, like he really went and did it. And then also no... Nobody knows how to go break down how to do this and teach other people how to go replicate what they've done better than you. You are you. world world class at going and creating people or helping people strive to go and hopefully one day get to close to where you're at, right? Which is super now, the, unique. The, the thing that fires me up in life is every single one of us has had a leader in our life that believed in us more than we believed in ourselves at a juncture where we could have gone either way. And that leader like changed our life and all of us can think back. It was a high school coach. It was a mission president. It was a, you know, a professor. It was a dad. It was somebody, my buddy's dad, whatever. Yeah. Somebody saw something in you that you didn't see in yourself and gave you permission to dream bigger and you crossed the chasm and it changed your life. And like the idea of being able to be that person for other people is super inspiring to me. I'm like, what, what would be a more meaningful life than to be able to do that consistently? And you know, the job that you do, you have the opportunity consistently to see greatness in people that they don't see in themselves. And when, when you do that like that, that's the good stuff in life. You know, that's what, you know, if you're thinking like, Hey, my life is going to be 
how am I going to measure my life? What, how am I going to say this is a success or it's not a success? One of like the key things is how did I treat people and did I make people better or did I make them worse, you know, and, and in the interactions. And so even just you saying that, like, there's not a nicer compliment than you could give me than that, that, you know, I made a difference in your life. I'm like, what, what, what's better than that than the world, you know, than to be able to like touch people's lives in a positive way. Yeah, no, I love it. And it shows, I mean, everything you do just vocalizes that and shows that. So again, thank you. And I know I'm definitely not the only one by any means. This has been freaking gold Uh, to close it out. Is there anything, if there was one last thing, most important thing, something, if someone just scrolled to the end of this and saw the end of it, where like, that is a message you'd want to go and get across that would go and help the most amount of people. What, like, what would it be? Uh, this probably isn't the thing that would like help the most amount of people, but this is a habit and ritual that I've added in my life over the last couple of years. That's added tremendous quality of life. I love and it. Whatever your it. number is like for me, it's a hundred dollars and I have a stack of hundreds and I look for opportunities on a daily basis to light up somebody that wasn't expecting it. And it has brought so much happiness in my life. And, and the challenge would be for everybody through this holiday season, you don't need to do it forever, but for 30 days, you know, through the December season, you know, take the number that's right for you, give until it hurts, put it, you know, on your person at all times and look for opportunities to give it to somebody who's in need. And you're just going to see magic happen in your life. I, I had a couple of them. I, I went back into this executive program at Harvard and DoorDash is like my go-to because anybody that is delivering for DoorDash, they're doing it because they need the money. Yep. That it's a side hustle to go help them pay the bills or get by. And a lot of times it's somebody that doesn't speak English that, you know, it's a way for them to make money and have a job without oh, yeah. you know, yep. the requisite skills that a lot of stuff you would need. And so my heart, you know, I could give you a hundred DoorDash stories, but I, I was in um, Boston and we ordered some food and this guy shows up, African-American guy, and he's got his girlfriend or his wife in the front seat. It's Friday night late. And I just have this impression. I'm like, it's Friday night late. And this guy is delivering. He he needs some help. Super cool. Gets out. He's talking to me. I said, hey, do you have like uh, Venmo? He's like, oh, I don't. I'm like, uh, are you willing to walk, you know, back to my dorm with me? It's it's kind of a hall. It's probably a block. <laughs> And he's like, yeah, sure. His girlfriend's in the car. Like what yeah, the hell's no, going she, on? She's in the front seat and, and he walks back with me. And anyway, I had a stack. I, I gave him a thousand bucks and I never, you know, never saw him take it. You know, you just have this feeling that it's like, you know, God is talking to me and, you know, I answer, you go, answer the call and I just had this you know picture in my mind of him walking back and sitting down you know with his girlfriend or his wife and pulling out a thousand bucks and I don't know what the outcome was but it can't be bad you know if he's delivering and there's got to be a need 
that, you know, that's not like a long-term solution, but it is grace. You know, I'm just telling you, if you want some abundance, if you want like good vibes over the holiday and you want some, uh, some abundance in your life, dude, I'm a mess. This, this, <laughs> the, this is actually the, this is actually the good stuff. Anybody who knows me, this is like a once a conversation thing. So it's not unique to this. Uh, but if if you want to like go have some abundance in your life over the holiday, put, you know, go pull a thousand bucks out of your checking account or go pull 500 or what, whatever the number is that it, it actually like matters to you. Put it in your account and like ask God to, to guide you. And I'm just telling you, like, I don't know, like, it, it doesn't matter what your spiritual beliefs are. You will have, like, inspiration on who needs it. And you'll have, like, this magic experience. And my father-in-law, you know, I've, I've done it for a while. And, you know, it's been really good for me. And so I talk about it. And my father-in-law is like, hey, I did, you know, I, we did that thing. And he's telling me this story that he's at a gas station and he can see this girl that she can't pay for gas and she's crying and he goes and pays for gas and gives her a hundred bucks. So good. That's the good stuff. No, I, I love that. Uh, again, like case, I freaking love you, man. Thank you so much. There's no better, no better way to close that out than just going and make sure everybody understands, especially holiday season, give until it hurts everybody. Much love, Casey. Again, thank you so right, much, thanks man. Thanks for having me, brother. I love you, bro.